Father in heaven, right now, we give thanks. Thank you for being our Lord, our King, our Savior. Dear Jesus, thank you for the righteousness alone that comes from Christ. Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for our church family. And God, as we continue to go onward, forward, and closer to your second coming, Lord, teach us things that we need to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, speaking of clothing, I'm somebody who has a problem, and that is, I have a sock problem. Anybody here have a sock problem? In other words, your socks mysteriously disappear. Anybody else have that problem? Uh, Who has that problem? Raise your hand. Apparently, there is a culprit who's existed for many years, ever since socks began to exist. And this culprit has kidnapped, taken hostage socks, particularly male socks. I'm telling you the truth. I have lost so many socks, I have no clue where they could be. Like, I don't know if there's some kind of warehouse where they're taking my socks. Literally, I have no clue where these socks are. And so... I've decided that I was going to start experimenting with some new socks, okay? And so I went online. I went on to Amazon. I didn't do any Black Friday shopping. I decided just to go online, Amazon. And went there, and I was looking up various deals on socks. And I was like, huh, I'll get that sock. I'll get those socks. Then I thought to myself, you know, I want to get something a little bit more original. Take a look at these socks, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not showing off my legs, okay? I want you to pay attention to these socks, okay? You know, when I put these socks on, I thought to myself, okay, this barong is a little bit yellow. Maybe I'll look for some socks that have kind of a a yellow pattern to them. And so I put these socks on. The only socks that I have yellow on. And then I looked in the mirror and I thought to myself, you know, something's just not right here. Go figure, right? I mean, you have green and yellow socks. And I'm wearing them with this outfit, right? It doesn't match, right? And so I was looking in the mirror and I thought to myself, well, no one's going to see my socks. Sure enough, I was sitting right there and I had my legs crossed and you know what you see? You see my socks and somebody says, nice socks. (laughs) You think to yourself, what's the purpose of this? I want you to know something, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes we can dress up in a certain way and we look in the mirror and we think to ourselves, you know, something's just off. And many times we can't explain it. Have you ever been in front of some mirrors where you go to that mirror and you think to yourself, man, I look very good in this mirror. The lighting is a little bit dim. The mirror is just at a right angle. And when you go into that mirror, you think, man, I am God's gift to humanity. But then you go into the living room where there's plenty of lighting and you look and you think to yourself, what in the world is that? Am I the only one that ever has those kinds of circumstances? Come on, we have these kinds of things every single day. There are different mirrors that when we look at them, they give us a certain perception, right? Ladies and gentlemen, where we need to understand the clearest perception of God is in His Word. Amen? Because there's a lot of reflections that exist in the world today. And many of those reflections are things that throw off the character of God. They're not consistent with his revealed character. 
But when we go straight to the Word of God, that's where we find the most beautiful, most perfect, most accurate picture of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? And that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be taking a good look in Scripture, and we're going to be learning some wonderful things about God and His character. Amen? Everybody take your Bible, and let's go to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. We're going to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 14. We're going to be looking at a very interesting story of Jesus. We're going to be looking at a photograph of God. And it's so amazing that as we analyze this photograph of God, we're going to see something beautiful about Jesus. Can you say amen to that? So here we go. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. We're going to be looking at a very familiar story. This is a few days before Jesus was to be crucified. You can imagine what's going on in the heart of God. John chapter 16, actually John chapter 12 tells us that as Jesus edged closer and closer to the crucifixion, his soul was troubled. So you can imagine Jesus a few days before he knows he's about to die. Tension is high. And the Bible tells us that he actually went to a dinner. Let's read about this dinner. And being in Bethany at the house of who? Simon Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, notice what the scripture says next. A woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. Very interesting situation. Here they are at this dinner table. You have some Pharisees on this side. Then you have people like Lazarus and Martha on the other side. And there seems to be a mixture of people at this dinner table. And they're watching very closely the movements of Jesus. All of a sudden, a woman comes in very stealthily, hoping that no one would see her. And she makes her way closer and closer to Jesus. Gets on her knees. And the Bible says she broke the alabaster box which is this perfume box, which had a long neck, that when it was broken, this potent fragrance began to fill the room. By the way, this is a little bit irrelevant, but it's an important point. It says that the alabaster flask was a very costly oil of spikenard. Spikenard comes mostly from India. An irrelevant point, but important to Bible study. God bless you, Vin and Pretty. Glad that you guys are here. Alright? So notice what happens next. Very interesting. Then, excuse me, verse, uh, the next part. But then there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for over 300 denarii and given to the poor. And the Bible says this, And they criticized her what? Sharply. It's quite amazing that when you look at this story... Of Mary, and by the way, when you put two and two together from other gospels, you begin to realize this was actually Mary Magdalene who was doing this. You think about all the encounters that Mary actually had with Jesus. First time you read about her, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's by her side, rebuking her because she's not serving, right? Then you read about another time where she's about to be stoned for adultery, she falls at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more, right? And then you read about another account. Here she is at this dinner, right before the crucifixion of Christ. She's at his feet. Another time the scripture tells us that when Jesus was at the cross, Mary was there. And where she would be looking at eye level was at the feet of Jesus. Over and over and over again. You read about this person. Who apparently, in the midst of all her sins... 
her adulteries, her backsliding, her iniquities. The Bible even tells us that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Seven different times he dealt with this woman. But because of his persistent love for this woman, she was ultimately transformed into a child of the king. Can you say amen to that? What a powerful story of transformation, right? When all the world saw was somebody who was lost, all the world saw was somebody who was possessed by a demon, you would think to yourself, that is not a candidate for the kingdom. But when Jesus looked at her, he saw somebody through the grace of God could be one of the most devoted followers of God. Amen? You know, there's many skeptics out in the world who say, wait a minute. What was going on between Jesus and Mary? That was actually a real relationship. Jesus was actually married to Mary. Heard that over again. There's nothing in scripture that indicates that whatsoever. Amen? It's just another attempt to discredit the Bible. But what is so unusual is the connection that Mary did have with Jesus. She was somebody who was abused by this world. And Jesus' heart especially long for those who are struggling the most. Amen? And so he reached out close to help her. Right? Jesus is the one who can help in all situations. Right? I heard uh, somebody talk about a women's conference one day. And uh, at this women's conference, the preacher stood up and she said to all the ladies in this conference, she said, you're not here for the one, you're here for the son. Not here for a man, you're here for the man. Amen? You see, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because many people can't understand the kind of dynamics that existed. They think, wait a minute, for Jesus to be this close to Mary, it's because he wanted something very physical for her. This is the way the world thinks because this is the way the world is. But Jesus completely safeguarded her. And he protect her over and over again from those who were attempting to abuse her. Very interesting story when you look at Mary. Someone who was transformed. One of the reasons why her identity is not particularly revealed in this gospel story is simply because years later, when the disciples were writing the gospels and going back to interview people, they had to be very careful to safeguard the reputations of these people who had encounters with Jesus. She was a prostitute. And so these disciples needed to be careful with that. And she simply named as a woman. But when you check out the other gospels and you put them together, you begin to realize this is talking about none other than Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Such an amazing story of somebody who was transformed by the grace of God. There's hope for the worst of you. Amen. This is what God can do. What is so amazing about this story though, this is where we begin to dive deeper, is exactly what Mary was doing. Well, what was she doing? You see, Mary had so encountered the grace of God over and over again. When she deserved judgment, there was no question Mary was a sinner. Amen? But when she came into the presence of Christ over and over again, she was just changed and enthralled by his love for her. And so this woman was eventually transformed. And so one day she notices that Jesus is at this dinner 
And she decides that she is going to honor Jesus. And the Bible tells us that she bought this alabaster box full of spikenard and she broke it and used it to anoint Jesus. Jesus even said, she has done this for my burial. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. How do you think she paid for this thing? It's not like she was working at the local gas station. She wasn't a tax accountant. She paid for this with the prostitution money. In fact, the Bible tells us that she used 300 denarii. A denarii was a day's wage, almost a year's worth of working. That kind of profession. She used it to buy a gift for Jesus. And she used that entire gift upon Jesus where nobody else in the world could understand what she just did. Such a powerful experience, right? Such a powerful experience. This was Mary's gift of praise. Today we're going to be talking about something quite interesting. We're going to be talking about praise. You know the Bible tells us something about Lucifer. The Bible says this about his creation, Ezekiel 28. You were the seal of what? Perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, right? Do you know what the word seal of perfection means? In other words, the cap of perfection. You can't get better than this. Lucifer was created in a very wonderful way. He was given such gifts and talents and abilities. But what is quite remarkable is what this verse says just a few verses later. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. I want to read that one more time. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Timbrels and pipes, what does that sound like to you? These are musical instruments, friends. Now, what is interesting about this? You're thinking, okay, I already knew this information. This is one point that really stuck out to me. Notice what it says. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Notice this next phrase. Was prepared for you on the day you were created. On the day you were created. In other words, this musical talent, this musical ability was actually given to this angel on the very day that he came into existence. Now, why is that an important point? Because Lucifer would have understood from the very beginning of his existence, his whole life, his whole purpose, his whole mission was to bring glory and honor to God. Are you listening to me so far, for church family? The very purpose of his gifts was to bring glory to God. He was given these gifts on the very day he was created. In other words, he would have understood from the very right, from the very start. I've been given this gift to glorify God. He wasn't given this gift later on. The Bible says it was specifically prepared for him on the day he was created. This angel was created to bring praise to God. To bring glory to God, the great center of the universe. What is so amazing is this powerful relationship, dynamic that exists throughout all the universe. To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know what's so amazing about the Trinity, the triune picture of God? And this is something that requires you just to think and digest. It's very important. As much as they were corporately united in oneness, 
They are individually distinct. Are you listening to what I just said to you? As much as they are corporately united in mission, in plan, in purpose, oneness, they are individually distinct. Do you know if the triune picture of God, if it was just three beings who were exactly like each other in every single way, do you know what kind of relationship that would be? You'd have clones. An exact copy of yourself. But what is required in relationship? Now I'm going to take it a step further. What is required in relationship is where you have two different beings that have their own particular distinctions, their own uniqueness, to be able to come together. Do you know nothing in this world can occupy the exact same time and space in this universe? Everything in this world is created essentially different. There is something that differentiates one thing or one person, one being, from another thing or person or being. And this is extremely important because what is so beautiful about relationship is where two different beings are able to come together. If the differences don't exist, then a real relationship cannot actually happen. Are you listening so far? But what is even more beautiful about the triune picture of God is their oneness. When you actually look in scripture, do you know the Bible constantly will overlap their titles? Each member in the triune picture of God, their titles are actually overlapped with another member of the the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is sometimes called the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is sometimes called the Spirit of the Father. Jesus is sometimes called the Comforter. Jesus sometimes is called the Son of the Father. In Isaiah, he's called our everlasting father. Why? Because the Bible's trying to communicate a message. As much as they are distinct and have differences and uniquenesses, which we're going to spend all of eternity probably learning about, they are so united in purpose and mission that they identify as one. Are you tracking with me so far? This is like stuff that is like amazing when you begin to understand the universe. And so the universe comes together. The Bible teaches the heavens and the earth, they praise the Lord. And God returns blessings. And you see this reciprocation happening throughout the entire universe. This inner working that allows the dynamics of heaven to be as they are. The Bible tells us Lucifer was created to bring glory to God. Praise is a very important thing, friends. Praise is something God gives us. Amen? Praise is something God gives us when times are good. Good things happen to us. Circumstances are right. But praise is given to us when circumstances aren't right. When situations don't happen the way we think they should. Amen? You know what's very interesting? Ellen White says this about a bird. Okay, a bird, what do you mean by that? She says this analogy, in the full light of day and in the hearing of music of other voices, the cage bird will not sing the song that his master seeks to teach him. He learns a snatch of this, a trill of that, but never a separate and entire melody. The master then covers the cage and places the bird where he'll listen to one song. He is to sing. 
He tries and tries again to sing that song until it is learned, and he breaks forth in perfect melody. Then the bird is brought forth, and ever after he can sing that song in the light. Thus God deals with his children. He has a song to teach us, and when we have learned it amid the shadows of affliction, we can sing it afterwards. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the point I'm trying to teach you guys, and that is this. That this song can only be sung in the midst of suffering. And I know there's much suffering going on. I've heard so many news uh, reports of this or that, of tragedy, of phone calls, of people who've lost loved ones, of people who've heard bad news from the doctor. Over and over again in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, man, this world is full of suffering. And by the way, remember what I said to you last week, that when you read the great controversy, the introduction written by the author, it says that this book was written to give satisfactory answers to the problem of suffering. The very first chapter, then you read, you know what the very first thing you're introduced to? Jesus weeping in Matthew chapter 23. You want to know why? Because the first thing we need to understand about suffering is that God's heart is broken. Are you tracking with me? That God's heart is broken in the midst of suffering too. That when you're going through pain, and you're going through heartache, and then when you're going through problems that seem to abound from left and right, I want you to understand that Jesus is right there in the midst with you. When you read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were thrown into that fire, Nebuchadnezzar stands up, and do you know who he sees in that fire? The Bible says, he says, look, I see one like the Son of God, right? And they, it says they were walking around. I always ask myself the question, wait a minute, if they're walking around, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, why didn't they walk out of the fire? Because friends, it's safer in the fire with Jesus than it is without it. Him. Amen? You may be in the midst of trials. You may get a phone call one day and your doctor says, hey, I want to share some news with you. Take a seat come to find out you now have been diagnosed with something that you never thought to yourself that you would get. You know, there's a form of sanctification that has a name. Ready for this form of sanctification? Oh, everyone's going to encounter it. It's called age. You've encountered that form of sanctification yet? If you will. You will. Every one of us hears bad news and we're surrounded in the midst of it. But it's during the bad news that God still wants us to sing a song to Him. You know, I used to read this verse over and over again, Psalm 77 and the book of Job. And it says something interesting. It says these words, But none say, Where is God my Maker who gives songs in the night? David would talk about this, Psalm 77. God gives me my song in the night. I used to think to myself, oh, it's probably David, probably bored in the middle of the night because he doesn't have his cell phone, the internet's not working. He gets up in the middle of the night and he starts saying, you know what, I'm going to grab my guitar and play around 2 a.m. I know everyone around me will appreciate that. I used to think that. Until I begin to study out the verse what David was meaning, my song in the night. We generally sing songs when things are good. We sing songs when we have all the brightness of the day and we have our youth and our vigor and things seem to fall into place. We sing the brightest, most happiest songs, friends. 
But what David was saying is when night comes and there's nothing but darkness around you, he said, that's where I'm learning to sing a song of praise. Friends, the most beautiful kinds of praise you can bring to God is when you have zero reason to give it. Are you listening to me right now? The most beautiful kind of praise you can give to God is when things don't happen the right way you think they should. You know, many times, and I heard this, and I'm kind of getting to the point where, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, hmm, where people will come up, they'll share powerful testimonies. And I share powerful testimonies all the time. I share it during evangelistic years. Man, this is what God has done. He put this situation this way, this situation that way, this situation this way. This person is different. And we begin to share all these different kinds of circumstances that have changed. But friends, listen to me. Circumstances are always going to change around you. But the one thing we should learn to praise God is for His love that is constantly steadfast for us. Amen? I remember one day I got a call. Very interesting circumstance. I got this call to go with my friend in Sonora to go visit this doctor who was on his deathbed. All right. There was going to be anointing. We got there. Me and my friend who was the pastor at that time. And this man is laying on the bed, a hospital bed in the middle of his room. His jaws open. I mean, there was machines hooked up. It was like... Man, I wonder how much time this guy got left. And my friend said, we're waiting for a few more people. Okay. Stood there. And all of a sudden, some people began to come in. And I said to my friend, are we ready to start? He said, no, there's one more person. I said, who? He said, it's a young cardiologist. I said, okay. Came in, this young cardiologist comes in. Nice suit. My friend says, we're about to begin the anointing. And I saw the most remarkable thing take place all of a sudden. The old man straightened out his face, lifted up his head, woke up, (laughs) sat upright, began to smile, and it was as if there was this heavenly glow upon his face. And he says, we're about to begin this anointing. And he calls the doctor towards him, the young doctor. And he begins to lay his hand on him. And we begin to lay our hands on the young doctor. And I begin to realize something. The anointing was for the young doctor. And it was once we were done praying. The man, the young doctor opened. He just had tears in his eyes. And that old man that probably had just a few days to live. Maybe even a month to live. In the midst of suffering and pain. When it's like, man, he's got nothing left to give. Here he is, he's still reaching out to bless other people. I was so blown away, I walked out just shocked. And I thought to myself, what did I just witness? I never forgot one circumstance. Bud Bistro, do you guys remember him? Former church member. He was always a church member here, right? He passed away a few years ago. Jay, myself, several of the elders went to go visit this guy. Going in there to doing anointing, here he is to go pray for him. Not anointing, just to go pray for him. The last few moments of his life. And here we are, we go in there, and we come in. We sit down, and there's Bud. And do you know what Bud does? Bud gets up. 
And he starts encouraging every one of us. Do you know what he actually does? He starts charging us to be faithful to God. He starts laying upon us this burden. He says, be faithful to God. Keep doing your ministry. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And we're there, we're thinking to ourselves, I thought we're coming here to pray for this guy. I thought we're here to go pray for this guy. Friends, I want you to learn something that these people learn. That in the midst of suffering and trial, these people learn to go beyond themselves. And that only comes from Christ. That only comes from Christ. And yet they were able to minister and bless other people even when it was like nobody else understood what was going on. David, who had his song in the night, was somebody who could still worship God, serve God, praise God in the midst of suffering and pain. Mary was somebody who in the midst of her weaknesses and backslidings and faults still brought praise and glory to God. She brought that alabaster box. And you can just imagine the situation. Here she is, hoping that no one would see her. And as she does it, she breaks open the alabaster box. And this you can imagine this aroma begin to immediately fill the room. And here you are, you may be somebody just talking to another person, and all of a sudden you you catch this whiff of this strong smell. And you start looking. And you're looking around, you don't know where this is coming from, and you look and you finally see Mary. What was going on in that situation? Friends, there was something Mary was doing that nobody else still could understand. And that was she was giving God praise and glory for what he had done for her in her life. You know, I came across this powerful verse one day. And at first I read it and I thought to myself, man, this is interesting. But then I read it again, then I read it again and again and again and again. Finally, I was blown away by this. Notice what it says, Habakkuk 3 verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. And the field shall yield some meat. No meat. Man, it sounds like... No, this sounds like disaster. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. Oh my goodness, can life get any more worse? And there is no... Shall be no herd in the stalls. Notice what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Can you say amen to that? Habakkuk believed and understood that, look, hey, even when it's like all the things that you work towards seem to completely collapse in front of you, when it seems like youth is gone, when it seems like this world is falling apart, and it's like, man, could it get any more worse? He lifts up a praise that goes beyond his circumstances and say, God, I am going to praise you still nonetheless. Job said, yet though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Remember what I said to you earlier, a few Sabbaths ago? Job one time said, oh, that there is these words were written about me. Do you guys just understand what Job just said? Oh, that there were words written about me. Do you know what happens when you look into your Bible? You find a book. Do you know what that book is called? It's called the book of Job. 
You know, Job didn't even realize there was a book being written by him. Do you know who wrote the book of Job? Moses. Do you know what's going to happen when Job gets to heaven one day? Job's going to get to heaven one day. And God says, hey man, i got to share something with you. It's guess. And he says, you see this? This is a Bible. That's a Bible. He says, open it up. He opens it up. It's the book of Job. And you can imagine Job just taking a step back to himself. What? My whole life seemed to be a life of suffering and pain. How could there be a book written about me? And then God's going to turn to the multitudes and he says, you see all these people here? They found strength through your life while you were suffering. They found courage to keep going on when they didn't have the right answers. Friends, this is a song we all need to learn. Let's continue. Mark chapter 14 verse 6 says these words, Jesus said this about Mary, after the disciples and all the people criticized her, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good what? Work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. Now notice these next words. She has done what she could. And then he adds these words. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. You want to know something? There was something that the disciples didn't understand. While they were so focused on trying to deal with who was going to be the, uh, the head disciple, while they were arguing about this, while they were so enthralled about what was happening around them, Jesus was alone with his thoughts and knew that the crucifixion was about to come. And yet there was one other who came in there, who anointed him, who in some way understood something. About what he was going through. Ellen White says these words. In suffering. The human soul longs for sympathy. Someone to understand. What you're going through. And here Jesus is. At this dinner. His own trusted disciples. Couldn't even pick up on what was going on. And yet Mary somehow in the midst of everything said. She anoints him in some way acknowledging. I know what's about to happen. And so Jesus turns to her and he commends her for what she has done. Friends, this is such a powerful thought. And we're getting to our last point in just a second. But I want you guys to recognize what's being said right here. What's actually being communicated. This woman brought the very best that she could. She brought what she had. She used everything she had. And even his own disciples said, this is a complete waste. You can't get any worse than this. You would think, that is not the way that is to be used. It could have been used for another cause, they say. I'm sure Judas was the first one. Talk about this cause. But what is so amazing is the words that Jesus says next. It's so powerful. She has done what she, has could, what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done, notice what he says next, will also be told as a what? Memorial to her. Mary didn't probably understand the words that were being spoken, but guess what Jesus did? And as she carried out this act of love and devotion, little did she have an idea what was about to take place. 
By Jesus commending her for what she has said. By Jesus taking note of the gift that she brought. Nobody else knew about it. It was immortalized. Do you know we've had this Bible, complete Bible, for about, you know, almost 18, 1900 years? Do you know what's in this Bible? The story of Mary breaking the alabaster box. And do you know many people have looked at this story and thought to themselves, man, what can I bring to the Lord? You know the story of the widow with two mites who put it in? And Jesus says something very similar. He says, what this woman has done. I mean, it's amazing. The woman just put in not even two pennies. But you want to know something? That woman gave the biggest offering there ever was. You're like, how so? Because that story has been the story for many inspirations to give to God. To return to God. To give to charity. The widow's two might is a story that has inspired many to keep giving. This woman's going to get to heaven one day and she's going to realize the two mites, all that she had, that she put in. Jesus is going to say, you see this? You gave the biggest offering that anybody ever could. What? 2,000 years people have been inspired by this story and they have given as a result of this. And here, Mary, you have a similar story. What she has been, what she has done, will be written as a memorial for her. You know the Bible tells us in Psalms, the memory of the righteous will last forever. It's not talking about your mind, friends. It's talking about what you have done, who you are, your life is immortalized. The impact that you bring upon this world where no one else pays attention. When it seems like, man, does this really matter? Friends, I want you to understand something. What you do for the Lord, the Bible says a book of remembrance is written. One million years from now, two trillion years from now, three quadrillion years from now, I'm not even sure that's a real number. Can you imagine this? The memory of what you have done will still be there. A bajillion years later, I don't even know that's a real word either. The memory of what you have done will still be there. Even though there's no earthly recognition of what's going on, what you have done has been noted by God. Can you say amen to that? Friends, this is such a huge thing. I was so challenged by this thought. That's what Elamite says right here. She says these words. At the day of judgment, those who have been faithful in their everyday life, who have been quick to see their work and do it, not thinking of praise or profit, will hear the words, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Christ does not commend them for their eloquent orations they have made. In other words, preaching. The intellectual power they have displayed or the liberal donations they have given. It is for doing little things which are generally overlooked. They are rewarded. I was hungry, and yet you gave me meat. He said, inasmuch as you have done for one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to who? Friends, this is a huge thing. God does not want us to misunderstand this. That when we're doing things for God's cause, and we're doing things according to His direction, we're doing it as unto Him. To Him. In the breaking of the alabaster box. In that ointment which filled the whole room with its fragrance. We have a representation of the sacrifice of Christ. Which was to fill the whole world. With the fragrance of infinite love. 
the action of Mary is to never lose its fragrance. Can you smell it? It's the fragrance of that action. Friends, I believe that this time of Thanksgiving is a time for us to also respond to God. You know, in the middle of the week when God was really laying this on my heart, I was personally challenged myself and I thought to myself, man, Lord, have I done what I could do? I was really challenged by that thought. And I realized, man, I was like, well, man, maybe I thought, man, I'll get a good tax receipt. I thought, man, maybe I should tell somebody about it and inspire others about it. But I began to realize something as God was speaking to me personally. It's like, Anel, I'm paying attention and now that's all that matters. Friends, think about all that God has done for you. Think about all the ways he has blessed you and watched over you and taken care of you. Think about all the goodness that he has poured upon you. Friends, what will be your response? It's not about big offering calls. It's not even about that, friends. I want you to understand, if you think that's what it's about, you have missed this entire sermon. It's about returning back to God. Praise that he is due for what he has done. And that comes through a variety of channels. You know, we're going to do something very special. In this Thanksgiving time, we're going to take up a special offering at the end. We saved it for the end because we thought, man, we don't want this just to be, oh yeah, a normal thing. We wanted this to be something that comes as a heart response. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite all the the deacons to come to the front. And we're going to take a moment to pray. And we're going to ask God. We're going to ask Him, say, Lord... What will be my response to you? Friends, there is a world right now that is perishing. I believe a world that is full of suffering. And there ever is a time that God is calling his people to go above and beyond themselves. It's now. We're going to take a moment to pray. Take up the offering. But as we do, we're going to hear a special music also by David. And I want you to make this time a time of contemplation, reflection. The end of 2015 is almost here. You want to be able to come to the end of it and say, I have done what I have could. Why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Father in heaven, Lord, thank you that every breath we take is a gift of God. Thank you for the grace that surrounds us and the favor that's upon us. Lord, we're not here for any person. We're here because of you, Jesus. And Lord, even though the world does not take notice, we thank you that a book of remembrance is being written even now. Father in heaven, We want to pray a special blessing upon this offering right now. And ask that you would multiply it, that your work may go forward. That nothing would 
stop that. Dear Jesus, we pray and ask that you would take our offerings and that you would use it for your glory. We thank you for hearing prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why don't we bow our heads for another word of prayer. Father in heaven, I think, Lord, you're asking us today, what will be our alabaster box? God, thank you so much for this beautiful picture of your grace, whose fragrance has filled the entire world. Lord, thank you for the amazing value you place upon our lives. We pray as we go out that the love of Jesus would be in our heart. Thank you, Lord, for hearing prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.